Welcome to the Social Ideas Podcast, brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the eyes of those striving for a better world. I'm Dr Michelle Farah, Head of Knowledge Transfer at the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. And I'm Mark Andrews, the Digital Learning Programme Manager at Cambridge Judge Business School. Together we're uncovering the challenges educators face and through conversation we're seeking out interesting answers and approaches they're using to solve these problems. Lisa Mallory is a high school teacher from Alberta, Canada and a recent graduate of the Masters of Studies in Social Innovation, a course delivered by us here at the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. Since 2009, the province of Alberta has required the perspectives of First Nations, Meti and Inuit to be integrated into the Social Studies curriculum. As a teacher and through her research for the Masters programme, Lisa's found that the students she interviewed struggled with the superficiality and polarisation of this curriculum. We chatted to Lisa and asked her to explain why she was inspired to tackle these challenges of teaching the perspectives of Indigenous people in schools across Canada. This research came about after about four years of teaching and kind of two or three years of starting to really actively think about how we teach Indigenous history through my undergraduate degree in education. So for example, I remember taking a class on how to teach social studies and my professor spent several weeks talking about specifically how do we teach Indigenous content and why is it so difficult and talking a lot about student responses across the province and how that was something that a lot of teachers were really struggling with. So, so, so your kind of interest was sparked from when you were an undergraduate yeah. student and this is Absolutely. And then at that same time, my sisters and my brother are triplets. They're six years younger than me. And they were in high school. They were doing this curriculum. And I remember I would come home from university and they'd be there with their friends and they'd be talking about how much they hated social studies. And all we ever talk about is Indigenous history and Indigenous perspectives and I want to learn something else. And went, okay. And then I started teaching. And um, in grade nine, grade nine is one of the first years in social studies where the immediate focus isn't sort of indigenous history or that that isn't a huge focus of the curriculum. And I'd have students and parents all through September going, oh, you know, my kid's really enjoying your class. This is the first time that we aren't really looking so deeply at indigenous history and perspectives. And I also remember doing one of my practicums. And for one of my practicums, we took a group of students to the Truth and Reconciliation event in Edmonton where they really had a chance to be immersed in the reconciliation process and get to be surrounded by a bunch of people who were talking about how Canada's history with Indigenous people, especially the Canadian residential school system, how it impacted their life. So we had this amazing day listening to all these speakers and lots of people telling their stories. I remember being on the bus ride home and there were a few students who were about three seats behind me talking about it and just going, I don't get this. I don't get the big deal. All that we ever hear is, you know, the whining, the crying. I don't get it. And then I just see that coming up a lot in my classes. So this is about six years of being a teacher and an education student and seeing these come up over and over again and mm -hmm. hearing these sort of conversations when I did my practicum in Edmonton when I teach in Calgary, when I talk to people about what their children are learning in class. And so I just really started wondering, like, why is it? Why is it that so many students who are non-Indigenous are complaining so much about this sort of core piece of our social studies curriculum? 
and why is it that we're all struggling so much to deliver this in a way that's meaningful when it's such a sort of timely thing that's happening in Canada. So I'm someone who doesn't know the Canadian context. So what is the situation and you know, around this curriculum? And is mm -hmm. it particular to what's going on in Calgary or is it a nationwide? So in Canada, our education is a provincial jurisdiction. And so how our governments address education is done on a provincial level. So all curriculums are different across different provinces. So I'm from the province of Alberta, and I believe it was back in 2009 that the government uh, decided to actively embed both Indigenous perspectives and Francophone perspectives into the new social studies curriculum so that we would see all sort of issues, not only around Canada's history, but also around what's happening today from those different perspectives. Uh, in my view, one of the challenges is that the scope of our program has been quite limited, and that's something that I think um, the government and curriculum writers are looking at addressing very actively. But so that's sort of happening in Alberta, and as I said, that happened back in 2009. But if we fast forward a little bit up to 2015, we had the Truth and Reconciliation Commission who published their big report and 94 calls to action on how Canada could renew its relationship with its Indigenous people. And the big issue that they were looking at was the legacy of Canada's residential schools. So through the late uh, 1800s, through the 1900s, up until I believe 1996, I may be wrong on that, but it was the 90s, Canada had a residential school program where the government would come into Indigenous communities and would remove children from their homes and they would ship them off to schools where they would be forced to assimilate. They wouldn't be allowed to speak their native languages, uh, they wouldn't be able to practice any of their customs and they would be removed for years at a time from their families and reintegrated I guess later. The goal being actively in one of the original documents to kill the Indian in the child. And so through these generations of indigenous people being removed from their homes, um, there was a lot of physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, on top of the fact that um, the whole goal was to assimilate Indigenous people. And then now we're really seeing that a lot of Canadians were not aware of this when it was happening, uh, still aren't necessarily aware of it, and there's a big push to make Canadians aware of our history, uh, what the government did, how that continues to have an impact on Indigenous people in Canada and how sort of the way that we've addressed that continues to act as a major barrier between reconciliation between non-Indigenous and Indigenous Canadians. Yeah. I think it's, it's important to think about the context of your teaching environment as well because it feels like this is a blanket policy that's being implemented across Canada but then the makeup of the students in different schools is very different. Mm -hmm. So perhaps you could tell us a bit about the students that you were working with. The students who I work with are at a private high school in Calgary, and so none of the students who I've taught have actively identified as being Indigenous, also don't work with any Indigenous teachers. And so we're operating in a context where students are coming from socioeconomically privileged backgrounds. We're talking about Indigenous culture and Indigenous history, but coming from a non-Indigenous perspective and background. I can say for myself as a teacher, pretty much all of my knowledge of Indigenous culture and history comes from secondary sources like books and documentaries. I've never really been immersed in that. So it's interesting to be teaching 
something that's so foreign to my life and to my background to students where it's also foreign to their life and their background. And um, in Canada, we still have a, a reserve system where there are specific territories of land that are owned by Indigenous people. And obviously, Indigenous people don't have to live on the reserves, but they also do live on reserve. And so because of that, there is also this physical separation in Canada between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Canadians. That means that a lot of people don't necessarily interact with Indigenous Canadians on a day-to-day -day basis, but then it sort of forms such a big part of our curriculum that there's an interesting disconnect between students' experiences and what they're learning in class. So Lisa, how, how aware of all of this do you think the students are before they come to the class? Okay, so that's really interesting. I think that a lot of students have a basic understanding of Canadian history, but I think that we're really talking right now about teaching Indigenous history as a counter-narrative to a dominant narrative about how um, like Europeans discovered North America and came and colonized and were pioneers in this empty, unpopulated land. And then that narrative is being countered with a counter-narrative of talking a lot about um, the rich societies that existed in North America, the fact that North America wasn't discovered, there were people who were here for tens of thousands of years before Europeans discovered North America. But I think what's interesting is I don't think that that original story is a story that most students come with, the story of sort of the undiscovered land. So I think that that might be one challenge that we're seeing is the way that I think a lot of teachers and curriculum resources talk about Indigenous history is so much a polar opposite of what is viewed to be a dominant narrative, but I don't know how much that dominant narrative really exists in people of my generation and younger. But I also think that the responses that we're seeing from students are being attributed mostly to racism, and I think that there's a lot more than that going on, and that racism isn't necessarily the primary maybe motivation for some of students' discomfort with the yeah. curriculum and why they don't like it. Um, but I do think it is important to recognize that there is a lot of racism in Canada and that's definitely something that is being looked at very actively right now. So you wanted mm -hmm. to understand what's really the root of the negative responses to this curriculum mm -hmm. if it's not racism, what is it? What I came to discover, which was one of the most surprising things, was that Every student who I interviewed in this study said, I think that it is essential that we learn Canada's history. It is essential that we learn um, Indigenous perspectives. It's essential that we understand what our country has done to its first peoples. We want to learn it, but we're not getting much out of what we're learning right now. So tell us the, about the age group of the students that you asked and how, how you went about that. So I interviewed 11 students in grades 11 and 12, so those students would have been um, about 16 to 18 years old. And I chose to ask those students because they were really just talking about their global experience with this current social studies curriculum. And so after 11 or 12 years of having been involved in this curriculum and having learned social studies with an emphasis on Indigenous perspectives, how did they feel about what they were learning? And also, what were their takeaways about the role of Indigenous Canadians in history and in uh, contemporary society? And so what were some of the kind of key findings that you got from this? 
So the first key finding, I think I'd already mentioned, but just the fact that students actually do want to learn this. They see it as being very relevant, they see it as being very important, um, and they do have an authentic interest in learning about Canada's history and how Canada has treated its Indigenous peoples in the past. And not just how Canada treated Indigenous people, but also just about the history of Indigenous people and pre-contact and about their cultures and their beliefs and their systems. So I was really surprised actually by that authentic interest because it wasn't something that I'd seen before or really interpreted before, but through those conversations that was something that every student who I interviewed really spoke about. What they did come back to though was that they really wanted to learn it, but they ha felt a number of problems with the way it was being taught in their schools. So what, was, what were yeah, some of those barriers that they saw? Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest things was that students really actively experience discomfort when they're learning Indigenous history. So this came down to sort of two things. The first was, as a non-Indigenous Canadian, how do I relate to this information? Am I being blamed for this? This stuff happened 50 years ago. So I'm learning about it. These were my ancestors, maybe, or we're looking at reconciliation and how am I involved in that? What's my role? Um, what am I supposed to do with this information? How do I kind of navigate all of that? So that was part of it. The second piece was that they felt a lot of discomfort because they didn't seem to know how to engage critically with the material in the sense that if they saw a hole in information that was presented, because of sort of the racially charged nature of these conversations, as non-Indigenous students, they wondered, like, can I ask that question? Can I say this? If I say this, you know, is someone going to get mad at me? Is this going to be seen as creating an unsafe space? Oh, weird, I'm having this weird response to what I just learned. Like, ah, what does this mean? We talk about safe classroom spaces, but what does that mean? Is a safe classroom space a space where you're not allowed to say certain things and speak about certain things? Or is a safe classroom space a space where you can actively talk about your emotions, the past knowledge that you're bringing into the position that you currently have, and openly airing those things? And I think that that's a really difficult thing to juggle. If we have those really open conversations, I think that you will ultimately make some students feel unsafe and feel judged and maybe see things about their peers that they don't necessarily like. But at the same time, if we don't give spaces in education for people to very openly say, uh, I don't know about that, I don't agree with that, I get this to a certain point, but there's another piece. Some of those things that do maybe have a racist undertone, if we don't allow those to be spoken and discussed out in the open, in a classroom. Where do those conversations ever happen and where can we ever really have those sort of meaningful discussions where we get assumptions out on the table to really get to underlying issues? And so I'm thinking now if I was perspective of say a busy class teacher would probably you know buy totally into that and, and identify with, with some of those challenges and the idea that the, the classroom is a safe space. It doesn't really work when it's like a 55 minute class that's sandwiched between you know, maths and mm -hmm. sports. So does there have to be changes actually in, in, in the actual structures of the day or, or something to, to accommodate for these? I mean, It feels as though it really requires a great deal of trust mm -hmm. for, between the teacher and the students and also between 
the students yeah. themselves to be able to to voice concerns that they feel are potentially construed as racist and mm -hmm. then to receive feedback in an, in an open way. Yeah. But it makes total sense when you put it this way because really this is the purpose of this curriculum and this is the purpose of the Truth and Reconcili yeah. uh, Reconciliation Agenda is to challenge these ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and how else are we going to do that other than through open dialogue? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and in, your, in your dissertation you mentioned the, the theory of the pedagogy of discomfort. Is, is this what you're referring to is that? Is yeah, to a certain extent. So uh, Pedagogy of Discomfort uh, was written by some Belis and Bowler back in, I don't remember what year. <laughs> it's the 60s. It's pretty yeah. old, is it? I believe so. But essentially the whole idea was that um, when we're dealing with issues of identity and a lot of more difficult sort of teachings and learnings around conflict between different groups, students will feel discomfort and that that discomfort is necessary to learning and that it's also sort of a catalyst to later learning. You can't necessarily be able to learn about um, or sort of deconstruct your internal frames without first feeling that discomfort where you kind of go, oh, that's interesting. You know, I thought that I was a really tolerant, progressive person, but I, I don't know, I'm having this weird re response to what I just learned. What does that mean about me? Like, who, and that's a really big thing too, right? No one wants to be racist. And so that's a huge thing to maybe confront if you're you know, learning about some part of Canada's history and you go, oh my gosh, like mm -hmm. that's maybe part of my beliefs or that's part of who I am. I know I had a big sort of aha moment this year because I'm teaching in Vietnam this year. And I forget the exact context, but we were talking about something in North America and my students in Vietnam didn't really have an understanding of Canada's indigenous people and we started talking about that and I don't remember the exact context, but what I do remember is saying at one point, you know, so my ancestors would have been part of a group of people who would have actively gone out of their way to essentially ex exterminate and assimilate a group of people. And that was the first time I'd ever said that. Wow. And it was really interesting. Like, I just remember I'm in this Vietnamese classroom surrounded by these Vietnamese students, so it's so separate from them. But this also comes back to the teacher and like, what are you saying about yourself? How and did they respond to that? They were really surprised because they view Canada as being this amazing sort of multicultural, tolerant, um, free place. And then to learn about a lot of the problems that we have were they also surprised that you would say that and openly admit to it? I don't I don't yeah. know if they really were because yeah. I don't think that they know maybe what is and is not common. But I did just really realize in that moment that that was something that I'd never said out loud. And it's weird to kind of think about, you know, where do you come from? That was Lisa Mallory talking about her discoveries for her research dissertation, The Necessary Discomfort of Postcolonial Narratives in the Social Studies Classroom. You can read a summary of Lisa's research by searching for the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn.